What's going on, family? This is Pastor Sergio Chavez, and I just want to thank you for tuning into the Hope Center podcast. If you're ready for today's message, do me a favor, take out your phones or something to take notes with. I want you to be able to take notes. If you've if you missed out on uh, last week's message, we began the family series, and you can go on iTunes to uh, listen to that message to be able to catch up on the series. We began this family series, and what's interesting about this, this particular series is uh, it stirred up a lot of feedback and dialogue uh, last week. You know, usually I think that a lot of the messages and series that we do here, they are provoking and they stir us in one way or another. But I think out of all of the series, this was one of the ones that was sort of triggering, for lack of a better uh, word. Uh, Because as we began the family series, many people began to reflect a a lot on their family dynamics and the brokenness within families. And so I want to just kind of preface today's message by letting you all know that what I share here, uh, uh, whether it was last week or whether it's the weeks to come, what I want you all to realize is that when I share these things, I don't ever want you to get the impression that I'm telling you that these things are easy. Because we began to share what was God's design for the family. And a lot of people say, Pastor, that was inspirational, but I don't come from that and I just don't see that for my family. Here's the thing. If I began to speak on the facts of the brokenness of your family and just told you to dwell on that, nothing will change. But if I told you to live by faith and begin to believe for something different, something will change. If nothing changes, nothing changes. If you don't begin to believe for something different for your family, if you don't begin to believe that God can use you, can use your family, then nothing will absolutely change within the dynamics of your family. Some people say, Pastor, I don't even have family. I have blood and, and relatives and people that, that, that you know, are, are by title my family, but I don't even speak to them. I don't even know them. Here's the thing. I realize that as well. But can I tell you, you have a church family. And so all of these messages that we're speaking here, if you're a young person, I want you to listen to, to, to this message on family because I want you to begin to get a picture of what your family can look like in the future. If you're single, if you're in a relationship, you don't have kids yet, I still want you to begin to get a picture of what your family can be like. What is God's desire for your family? And so I don't ever, again, I repeat myself, uh, I don't ever want you to get the impression that what I say here, it, that it's easy. Uh, 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 it's, it's quite the, uh, it's on the contrary. It's challenging, but that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need the Holy Spirit that helps us, that strengthens us, that encourages us, that when it seems difficult to reach this standard, that's when we call on God to give us the strength to be able to see these things within our family. So if you're ready for today's message, I just want you to repeat this with me. Say your word. Come on, everybody, let's do it together. I'm going to ask you to wake up and, and just repeat this with me like you're, like you're in chorus. Like you, you remember chorus back in elementary and middle school? Some of y'all, y'all never knew how to sing. I'm not talking to the worship band. Y'all bougie because y'all can sing and y'all, y'all all talented and whatnot. Like he over here doing all that. I, I'm talking about the people that you knew you couldn't sing, but you were still in chorus. Uh, I, you know, I was, I was a part of that. So we're going to act like we're in chorus. Are you ready? All right, say with me your word is written in my mind 
Your word is hidden in my heart. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path. I will seek you with all my strength. I choose to live my life according to your word. Your word, O Lord, is eternal. Amen. So, as I was reflecting this week, uh, I reflected on the thought that I'm very fascinated by odd things, like very strange things. Um, anybody like me, you're kind of just fascinated by really odd things. Um, don't judge us. For those that didn't raise your hand, y'all over there like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm fascinated by odd things, and, and Pastor Fran tells me that I, I go through phases. She tells me I go through phases, and uh, I become really what's called hyper-obsessive with different things that I want to learn about, and I start researching, and I start going on YouTube, and uh, um, some stuff, most of the stuff is not useful in life, it's not, but some stuff is, is actually quite useful, and, um, and so because, you know, I have this fascination with kind of strange things, I'm getting, I, I, I always like to do research, Google is my best friend, Wikipedia, uh, that, that's, 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 that's my thing to go to, I'm always researching. Uh, during my travels, one of the things that I'm absolutely fascinated about is when I see buildings and structures, and I'm fascinated by architecture. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm especially fascinated, and I know this might be weird to you, but I'm, I'm fascinated by bridges. I'm talking about like big, those big huge bridges. Like if you go to San Francisco, you see the Golden Gate Bridge or the Bay Bridge, or here, you know, in DC, you have the Key Bridge, or, or if you're going from, uh, from Maryland to Virginia on the other side, you have the Woodrow Wilson Bridge. Uh, I'm very fascinated as to how those bridges just kind of stay there for a long period of time. Imagine it, tons of weight that goes on it. Um, imagine that hundreds of thousands of cars go on those bridges. I, I know some of y'all are like, listen, man, I've never thought about that. I'm just kind of getting you, I'll give you a glimpse into my mind. I think about these things uh, because it's a structure that has to hold things. You're going you're gonna to catch it soon. You're going to catch it soon. It's a structure that holds things. And so I began to, to really do this research as to how bridges are constructed and, and what it takes to build a solid bridge, considering that millions of people's lives are, are entrusted with those bridges for them to get past it. And, and obviously, for a bridge to stand firm and to stand strong, it has to have a strong foundation. So it has concrete foundation, but then on top of that, what holds these bridges together are these, are these long cables that they, 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 they span across the entire bridges. And the way that these particular uh, cords are, are created is, is that um, I, one video in particular I saw, I think it was around 567 mini cords that were interwoven and connected together in order for it to create a cable that was strong enough, one of the many that's strong enough to span throughout these bridges. Think about this, 567 around there approximately of interwoven small cables that made a strong cable in order for it to hold the weight of a structure. In order for it to sustain the weight and the pressure. Now, when these engineers, they create these particular cords and cables, they have to consider, all right, 
There's different things that happen, different uh, catastrophes that can possibly happen. There are disasters that can potentially happen. There are storms that can happen. There are, there are tectonics, the shifts in, 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 in the earth's surface. There are all types of things that you have to consider. And so then they create these cords and these cables. The interesting thing is that the same is for life in that God gives us the opportunity to connect with one another in order for us to be strong and to be able to hold the weight and the pressures of life. I want to ask you today, have you ever gone through any pressure in life? Just kind of nod your head, let me know that you're with me. You ever gone through any pressure? Uh, family pressure, financial pressure, uh, physical pressure, uh, uh, emotional, mental strain and pressure. But the interesting thing is that in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, if we could pull that up in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12, it says, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Doing things on your own can lead to a lot of foolishness. Living isolated from people, not in community, feeling like you got all the answers, feeling like I'm going to do it my way, don't need nobody. Anybody ever said that and made a decision that you regretted? You're like, why did I not consult anybody about this? Look at me and my foolish self. I know some of y'all not going to keep it real, but I appreciate the three or four that just said, because you didn't consult with anybody. You didn't ask for advice, you didn't ask for feedback, you kind of did it on your own. But when you're connected, it says two can defend themselves. When you connect with somebody that you can trust, then it gives you more opportunity to be successful. But then it says a threefold code cannot easily be broken. In other words, when you are interwoven, when you are connected, when you are in community, when you have fellowship, when you have relationships, it gives you the strength that you need to be able to hold the weight and the pressures of life. And so it's important for us as we discuss the family series for you to leave this series knowing that your partner, that your spouse, that your children, that the church family, we are not your enemies. We are in this together. Husbands, your wife is not your enemy. Wives, your husband is not your enemy. Your children are not your enemy. Pastor's not your enemy. The church members are not your enemy. If we are a family, we are supposed to be interwoven, connected, a part of each other's lives, embedded within community. Because when we do that, that's when we're able to withstand the pressures, the weight, the frustrations, the stress that we can go through in life. But here's is the challenge. Here is the challenge that I realized. Most of the time, a lot of times, I hope not that this is not true for you, but I counsel a lot of people, and what I find that most times when couples, families, uh, uh, friends, uh, 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 co-workers, whenever, whenever there are challenges, it's because they are viewing themselves as each other's enemy. They are looking at, uh, to each other as opposition, as opposed to looking to each other as a team. And so the challenge is that oftentimes we spend more time fighting with each other than fighting for each other. So my prayer today for you 
for your family. If you don't have blood family around you, relatives here around you, this may apply to you within the church context, within your church family, or within your marriage, or within with your children. Here is what I want you to really grasp from today's message. I want you to be a strong and healthy family. And a strong and healthy family is a family that is connected. It's not easy to stay connected. It's difficult to stay connected. There will be all sorts of issues and problems that will want to get in the way from us getting connected. The devil will want to give you thoughts, ideas, suggestions, and put it in your heart and have you contemplating things in your mind to create separation. But I want you to stay connected to God and stay connected to your family. Husband, stay connected to your wife. Wife, stay connected to your husband. Young people, stay connected to your church family. Children, I want you to stay connected to your parents. They, you, but they were the worst. They didn't treat me good. They were evil to me, but they upset me, but they criticized me. I want you to reflect Christ within your family today. That is my prayer for you. That you'll be the one to make a difference within your family. If all of your family are jacked up, they are evil and toxic, then you'll be the one to be a light in the midst of darkness. When everyone else is negative, you'll be the one that's positive. When everyone else is faithless, you'll be the one to have faith within your family. When everyone else is weak, you'll be the one to pull them and say, with God, all things are possible. I'm going to be the one to be a light in the midst of darkness within my family. It may be toxic, it may be difficult, but like I said, when we call on Jesus, the Bible says, can I speak by faith? The Bible says that with Christ, all things are possible, that if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, all things will be made possible to you. Not everyone may believe that today, but if I got two or three people that would say, I believe that today, I have faith for my life, I have faith for my family, I have faith for my marriage, I have faith for my children. I have faith for my grandchildren. Ah. Thank you for the four or five that's with me today. Uh, uh, y'all not going to stop me from preaching this word. I'm going to give you this word. Go ahead and smile at me. Let me know that you're still with me. I love you, by the way. I love you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's very difficult to stay connected. Pastor, I, I, I try my, it's difficult to stay connected. Well, I want to help you out today. I want to help you out today. I want to give you today three points for you to stay connected. I want to give you three points for you to stay interwoven, for you to stay connected and to have a healthy and thriving family. In order for you to have a healthy and thriving family, I'm going to give you this first point. If you're taking notes, please write this down. You have to fight to have healthy communication within your family. Within us as a church body, we have to fight to have healthy communication. Most times we fight each other, but we gotta change that. We gotta change that, we gotta turn that around. We have to, instead of fight with each other, we have to fight for each other. And so you have to fight to have healthy communication. Can I tell you, most times when I deal with, with families that are struggling, it's because of a lack of communication. There is no communication. You don't express how you really feel. You're not honest. You're not transparent. You hide things. 
And see, the thing is, whenever, whenever you try to avoid, most try to avoid conflict, most try to avoid communication, most try to uh, 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 prevent and hide from speaking and being transparent and being held accountable. But here is the thing, as long as you don't have communication within your family, as long as there's no communication within your marriage, as long as we don't have communication as a church family, as long as you're just running with assumptions, as long as you're taking things personal, then we will never, ever be a thriving and healthy family. You've got to fight to have healthy communication. Look at what James chapter 5 verse 16 says. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. The interesting thing about this scripture is that most times people read this particular verse because we're dealing with the book of James. The book of James is a book on faith and, 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 and it deals with a lot of topics of faith. And in fact, earlier in that, in that particular chapter, it's discussing uh, the prayer of faith and when you pray by faith and with faith. And most people don't realize that what this is discussing here in verse 16 is relationships. Most people take this for physical healing, but this goes beyond a physical healing. Although when you pray by faith for healing, God can do wonderful things, but this is speaking towards something that is beyond physical healing. This is speaking towards emotional and mental healing for our lives. How? Confession, confession, confession. Confession, transparency, authenticity brings healing to our lives. As long as you hide things, as long as, you, as long as you're keeping those secrets, as long as you're bottling up how you feel and you're keeping all of those things inside and you're not expressing yourself and you're not communicating, that will create a, 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 an unhealthy spirit within you. That will create a sickness within your mind and within your heart. It's toxic when you hold everything in. There's a saying that says that pressure bust pipes. You ever heard that saying? Now pressure can be used that if something has too much pressure, it can destroy it. Or pressure can also be used to turn coal into a diamond. When you go through pressure, you have to communicate that with your family. When you're battling with the stresses and the pressures of life, you have to communicate. We get communication from community. For us to be a healthy community, we have to communicate. It says, confess your sins. What you saying, Pastor? I gotta like get into one of those creepy like things where I gotta, I gotta like, with the confessionals where I gotta, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what, this, this is not what this is talking about. This is talking about with somebody that you trust with your family, with people that are invested in you, with people that love you. It means to be transparent with them. We don't like to hear the truth. I'm gonna just get a little closer. I'm not gonna look at you, I'm gonna look up because I know it's a few of us, so y'all like, oh, man, I don't want pass it. I'm gonna just look up straight ahead. We don't like the truth. We don't like to be corrected. We don't like to be told what to do. We don't like to be given instructions. But here is the thing, the Bible says in Proverbs, where there is a multitude of counselor, then your plans prosper. 
We don't like to be corrected. We don't like to be instructed. We want to do things on our own. But here is the thing. So long as you are isolated, it creates this sickness. So that's why he's saying, confess your sins. In other words, be honest, be transparent. See, here's the thing. In order for you to truly be connected, you have to be vulnerable. That's why we try to avoid to communicate. Because it forces us to be vulnerable. And in fact, when men hear that word vulnerability, you're like, hold up, vulnerable. I ain't vulnerable. I want you to catch this and write this down. Never forget this. Your strengths impress people. If you've been with me, you already heard this. Your strengths impress people, but your vulnerabilities connect you to people. You can show me that you look good, you're talented, you're wonderful, but that may impress me, but it doesn't connect me to you. It's when I understand what your vulnerabilities are. It's when I understand what you're struggling with. It's when, it's when I understand how, how can we support one another. It's when we communicate. That, that's, that's what connects us. So I wanna, give you, I wanna give you some real quick tidbits about communication. I want you to implement this. It's called SALT, all right? S-A-L-T, it's an acronym, all right? When you're communicating, you have to first off stop. You've gotta stop. You've got to stop. That's the first one. Sometimes in order for you to communicate, you have to stop everything that's going on. If I were the devil, and I'm not, I rebuke that, I wouldn't be so much worried about to see you destroy your life and the people around you. I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to make you an evil person. I would try to make you a busy person. Because if you're too busy with work, you're too busy with trying to keep these things together. If you're too busy, then you can become neglectful of your family, of your church family, of your children, of your wife, of your husband. Sometimes for you to have healthy communication, you have to stop everything. I was up two in the morning last night talking to my wife, praise the Lord. I was in bed ready to go, Mario, I was, I was in bed, brother, I was ready to get my beauty sleep. I study late on Saturday nights to give y'all a great message. I hope that you receive and appreciate these messages. I'm up late studying for y'all to give you this word. And I was, I was after studying, my, my head was hurting, and I laid down. And you know when you already kind of start fading out? And my wife asked me a very profound question at 2 in the morning. I love you, baby. I do this to her all the time. And we began to have a conversation. And in my head, I said, why are we having this conversation at 2 in the morning? But God had already given me this word. Just like a pipe has to, has to aspirate or alleviate or release when we just hold those, sometimes you don't know when that's gonna come. You don't know when that conversation's gonna happen, but you have to be willing to stop everything that's going on and say, you know what, this is not a convenient time. Uh, this is not, I'm not comfortable right now. I don't wanna do, but you gotta stop. The devil wants you busy so that you don't stop to communicate with your family. The devil wants you busy so that, so that you're, you're overly busy and you're overly worried, you're overly anxious, you're overly stressed and to the point where you don't communicate. Sometimes you have to put a pause button on life and say, listen, we're gonna stop everything, we're gonna put our phones away, we're gonna not go out, we're gonna sit and we're gonna communicate. We gotta have some family time, we gotta talk. You gotta stop. The second thing you have to do is you have to ask. You have to ask. You gotta ask that other person within your family, your friendship, whatever, whatever context this is for you, your friends, your relationships, the church body, whatever it is, you have to ask. 
A is for ask, so that the other person can release. You gotta, you gotta ask them, what is going on with you? How are you? How is your day going? And don't tell me you're good. I know you're not. You gotta ask though. That's why the beautiful thing is when you come to group, right? Our, our huddles, our groups. Before we get started with our groups, what do we do, y'all? It, we do a check-in. Because we wanna ask how your day is going. We wanna ask how your week has been going. Because we go to so many places where people demand so much from us, and I don't know about you, you ever felt like, I'm always trying to help everybody else. I'm always supporting everybody else. I'm always asking everybody else how they're doing, but nobody asks me how I'm doing. That's why when you come to church, we'll ask you, how are you doing? We'll check in with you. When you come to group, we'll ask, how are you doing? How was your day? You have to ask. Husband, I know sometimes you want to avoid it. You got to ask, babe, because you know when something's going on, but you're trying to avoid it. You're trying to act like nothing's going on. Wives, you know when something's going on. You try to avoid it. You, you try to avoid it, but you have to ask. After you ask, you have to listen. You have to listen. Can I tell you what listening is? There's a difference between hearing and listening. Most people hear, most don't listen. Okay, y'all felt that went down in your spirit, praise the Lord. Let me touch on this. Listening, okay, listening, true listening, it's a skill, it's an art. You gotta develop it, you gotta cultivate it, you gotta practice, it's not easy to listen. Everybody, as long as you have these, you can hear. Everybody, you're hearing me. Maybe some of you are hearing me right now, but you're not listening to me. Here's the thing, though. I'm going to get to you in Jesus' name. You're going to listen to me today. <laughs> listening is, is most people, when they're, when they're hearing something, they're already trying to fix the issue, but they're not listening. It's not about creating a solution right then and there. It's not about trying to fix it right then and there. True listening is just saying, come on, let me have it. I just, I'm gonna li- go ahead, let it, release it, talk about it. How are you feeling? What's going on? How are you doing? It's not about coming up with a response immediately. That, you're just trying to hear. You're just trying to, but that's not listening. True listening is non-judgmental. You create a space. If you want healthy communication, you create a space that's healthy, that's non-judgmental, that you're not trying to look for an immediate answer. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you don't gotta give people advice. Sometimes people just want you to be with them, be present. That's called the ministry of, the ministry of presence, that I don't give you a solution. Because a lot of things in life, they don't have easy co- uh, cookie cutter solutions. People want you to just listen, to just be present. That's what family does. That's what communication is. You have to listen. It's an acquired skill, and the only way that you can develop that is by practicing it. Non-judgmental, I'm not going to come down on you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to just listen to how you feel. And then if there's an opportunity to create a compromise, a solution after, you can do that. But listening is saying, I'm just going to hear you. Then you have to talk. You talk. You talk. Who do you talk to? Talk to God. First, you stop, you ask, you listen, and then you talk. A threefold cord is not easily broken. When you invite Jesus into your family, your family will not be easily broken. 
When you invite Jesus into your marriage, your marriage will not be easily broken. When we as a church invite, Je really invite Jesus to be the head of this church, this church will not be easily broken. Who do we talk to when there's no answers? Who do we talk to when we've listened? To, you ever listen to something and you just overwhelmed? You're like, oh Lord have mercy. You just listen and you're like, I have no reply. I'm speechless. I have no answer. You do talk, but who do you talk to? Talk to God. He has all the answer. He has all the comfort. He has all the peace. And he has all the joy that you need. We have to talk to God together. Don't do it on your own. Let's talk to God together. Sometimes you got to be with your family and just say, you know what? We got to pray as a family. Sometimes in your marriage, you just got to say, we got to talk as a marriage. Let me give you the second point. Let me move forward. Are you all doing all right, by the way? Am I helping anybody out? Uh, okay. All right. Let me give you point number two. You have to fight not only to communicate, you have to fight to resolve conflict. Write this down. Put it, screenshot it. Put a meme, make a quote, put a fake deep picture with this as a, as a, as a caption. Conflict is inevitable. Destruction is optional. Conflict is inevitable. Destruction is optional. We will all be dealt with in our families. We will have to deal with conflict. If there is no tension, if there is no conflict, you are not growing in your relationships. If everything is always smooth and smooth sailing, something is wrong because you're not growing with somebody. In order for you to grow, your muscles to grow, your mind to grow, in order for your spirit to grow, in order for your business to grow, in order for your ministry, you've got to be stretched out. You've got to go through tension. And tension is inevitable, but destruction is optional. When, con when there's conflict within your family, be proactive, please. Let me tell you what the Bible says in Romans 14, 19, if we could pull that up. Romans 14, 19. It says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to, what does it say there? What is it, do we have that scripture? Okay, all right, are you still with me? All right, what does it say? Let us therefore make every effort to do what? That leads to? Peace. And to mutual edification you have to be proactive the Bible tells us let's make every effort not somewhat make an effort not kind of make an effort not scattered effort it says make every effort to make peace we don't have this scripture I don't believe let me just read it to you Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 it says in your anger do not sin do not let the Sun go down while you are still angry I'll never forget you know I asked my wife for permission to tell y'all stories by the way don't think I'm putting us on blast or her on blast ask for her permission um, we got married really young. I was 22 years old when we got married, and I, I, I'll just fully being transparent and honest, I, you know, we, we both had to learn and grow a lot together, made a lot of mistakes, and, and one of the things that, you know, I knew this word, it says, it says, in your anger, do not sin, 
and do not let the sun go down on your anger. And I knew that, that, that Bible, but you know, I, I knew that word, but you know, sometimes you, you listen to a word and again, you, you hear it, but you don't really listen. And I remember early on, we would get into these big old arguments, these big old disputes. I know that doesn't happen to you and your family. I'm just talking, I'm gonna put myself out there. I know it doesn't happen to you. Y'all don't get in arguments. Y'all always, y'all, y'all not, I know you guys. Uh, let, me, let me talk about me. Um, you know, I, I, we get into these big old arguments and it would be at night and I'm, and I'm slamming stuff and I'm getting upset and I'm walking out of the room and I say I'm sleeping on the couch and I would you know sometimes I would, and I would and I, and I would go to the couch and I'm like I really don't want to sleep here because it's not comfortable and I would go to sleep on the couch and I will I will wake up in the middle of the night tossing and turning my back hurting I'm still upset and I'm wishing that she would come out and say, and I will take a peek at this look at her sleeping and I'm all upset she all comfortable snoring and I'm here on the couch Still upset. And then the next morning we'll come around and we wouldn't talk to each other. I know that y'all, y'all don't do this. I'm talking about me. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't talk to, we would ignore each other and we would just walk by each other, act like the other person wasn't there. And just all this negativity and frustration and all that I built on my, on my own life. Bible said, don't, do not sin. Don't let the anger fall down. On, on your anger, don't let the sun go down on your anger. And, and, and so, and so the, the Bible is also telling us to make peace, make the effort. I don't, we don't do that anymore because all we did was waste time that you can't get back. Because one time she got me, Ali, she, she got me. She, she said, you slept on a couch. Imagine if that was the last night we had to be with each other. You over here fighting with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You over here fighting with the church. Nobody got beef with you, man. We're not each other's enemy. Families, we're not each other's enemy. And you're here creating all these problems in your mind and in your heart. And you're creating all these scenarios. When the Bible says make every effort to make peace. Be proactive when there's conflict. Don't wait for the other person because it may not come. You be the one to initiate the conversation. Let's resolve this conflict. Pastor, why should I do it? Why should I be the one? Because we're mandated. We have an example in Jesus. Jesus made every effort for us to have peace with God. How do I know that? He gave his life. Every ounce of blood. All of the whippings, all of the criticisms, all of the pain, he did that so we could have peace with God. He made every effort. And so now, we have this example. And and God is not asking us to be whipped, to be beat, to give our lives. He's just asking us to make every effort to resolve conflict. Because then, mutual edification will come. Your relationship will build. That word edification comes from the root edifice, a building. So when you do that, when you resolve conflict, you take initiative. What you do is you continue to build and grow and grow within your relationships. Let me give you the last thing and then I'm going to close out. You've got to fight to forgive. 
this is this is that this is that f word this is a cuss word <laughs> boy when you start talking about this lord have mercy uh any issues with this message email uh mario ruiz at hope center at hopecenter.com this is the cuss word this is the f word you gotta fight to forgive can i tell you i'm not saying this is easy but can I tell you that forgiveness is the foundation of our faith? If we don't forgive, then what makes our faith and our belief different from the world? If we're vengeful, if we're hateful, if we're spiteful, if we're condemning, what makes this faith that we have different from anything else? The very core and essence of what we believe is that Christ gave his life to what? Forgive us. In fact, after all of that, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And can I tell you that there's a nasty sickness worse than any disease, worse than any type of infection that you can think of, and it's called unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness it doesn't show in physical symptoms, but it shows in you hurting other people. Because when you've been hurt and you haven't forgiven, one way or another you will hurt other people because hurt people hurt people. Unforgiveness in your heart causes resentment. Unforgiveness causes a sickness in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind and most people do not forgive because they don't understand what forgiveness is so quickly I just want to tell you what forgiveness is and what it isn't you got to understand that forgiveness is not letting the offender the person who offended you off the hook when you forgive you're not letting them off the hook what you're doing is the very word forgiveness comes from an old English word which means to let go completely forgiveness I always say this is for you it's not for the other person most people think I can't forgive because they did this and they're going to believe that they, that they were right. No, no, no. When you forgive, you're saying I'm making peace with my, within myself and with God and, and, and the outcome. Their life is in God's hands. That's not up to me because here's the thing. When you don't forgive, it's like drinking poison hoping that somebody else dies. Unforgiveness is drinking poison but wishing that the person who did you wrong, that they would die, but all along not realizing that it's hindering you. They're living their life, and your relationships are harmed. You can't trust people. You don't let people win. You, you, ha you start having good relationships, and all of a sudden you do something to mess it up. Why? Because there's unforgiveness there, and as long as that's sweeped under the rug, it will always come out one way or another. Forgiveness is not letting the offender off the hook. It's not letting the offense occur again. Because you forgive doesn't mean, okay, I'm just gonna let, let this happen again. No, that's why forgiveness is not forgetfulness. You remember, you remember, but you remember and ask God, say, God heal me, and whenever I do remember, that's for wisdom to how to move in the future. I'm helping somebody out today. I, 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 I really pray, I really pray that, that you really take this. This is going to help you. 
it does not mean you're denying the reality of what happened or ignoring the offenses. It's not, it doesn't mean that you're reconciling. Just because you forgive doesn't mean that you gotta be buddy-buddy. That's not what that means. Again, forgiveness is not based on others' actions but on your attitude. What it is, is it's a process. It's not easy, it's not an event. But what it is, is returning to God and saying, God, you take care of justice. Forgiveness starts with a mental decision. You start by saying, God, this wasn't easy. This hurt me, this was painful. But I'm not gonna allow this to create resentment within me because as long as I have that in my heart, it's gonna show in the way that I treat others. It's gonna show in the way I communicate with others. It's gonna show in the way that I treat and speak and resolve conflict or lack of resolving conflict as long as there's unforgiveness there. You're giving it right back to God. There was, there's a, there's a, a particular animal, it's called the meerkat. I don't know if you know about this animal, but a meerkat is an animal that can literally eat scorpions. Eat scorpions with venom and venomous snakes. These, these meerkats are animals that are, are immune. They're immune to poison, to venom. They eat it, they consume it. But then there's a, there's a, there's a frog in South Africa, uh, South America, excuse me, in South America, and this particular frog, you see it, it looks, it looks adorable, it looks cute, it's small, but that thing is as poisonous, as venomous as they come. Why? It, they, they're not born that way. But what happens is what they do is they consume venom and poison and it builds up in their system and they shoot it off. So it creates these bright colors that, so that other animals, as soon as it sees this particular frog, they know to stand back because it's as venomous as they come. What is the difference? The meerkat built an immunity to the pain because we all go through pain in life. But this particular animal takes the pain and uses it as lessons. Takes the pain and uses it. It's not easy when you're in it. It's difficult when you're going through it. And when you're going through a painful situation, you can either say, this is going to be something that's going to break me down, that's going to destroy me, or I'm going to use it to have a lesson, to have a testimony, to tell somebody else that if God did it for me, he can do it in your life. I was also hurt. I was also betrayed. I was also played. I was also criticized. But God helped me to use this as a testimony or you can allow the pain to create toxic venom within your heart and when people try to get close to you that's what you project that's what you shoot out forgiveness 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 Peter came to Jesus and said Lord how many times should I forgive he was trying to pigeonhole Jesus he said how many times should I forgive seven times and Jesus says seven times 70 what he was saying was because that's 490 he was saying that particular, uh, uh, at, during this verse, he was saying that forgiveness is not about a number of times, it's about a lifestyle. Make forgiveness a part of your lifestyle. When you have forgiveness in your heart, because here's the thing, we've all needed forgiveness too, it's very difficult for you to not be gracious when others, when you know people have been gracious to you. You can't harbor resentment and unforgiveness when you know that all the mess that you did and Jesus still had mercy on you. How are you holding back forgiveness from somebody? We got to realize what he's done in our lives.
It's not about a number, it's about a lifestyle. Why? Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. When you forgive, it doesn't make you a weak person. The opposite, it makes you strong. When you forgive, you keep your heart, your mind, and your spirit pure. Pastor, that's easy for you to say, you've never gone through anything. You don't know what I've gone through. Can I tell you? I'll be the first to raise my hand and let you know. I've been talked about. I've been criticized. I've been rejected from the people I love most at times. But yet I'm here to tell you as a testimony because this wasn't easy for me. It took me years to get this word. But it came to a point in a moment in my life. I said, God, as long as I'm holding on to this mess and my, and my anger and my frustration and my impulses, I'm not going to be able to be the man of God you called me to be. Woman of God, you're not going to be able to be the woman of God God called you to be. As long as you're holding on to those things, I said, God, I'm letting it go. Heal, heal my heart because I still have wounds. I still have pain. I still have issues. But heal my heart. Communicate. You've got to communicate it with the Lord. He knows your heart, but he also wants you to communicate. What is it that hurt you? Who was it that hurt you? And allow his healing. This says, the Bible says that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person can bring healing. When we say to God, God, here I am. You know what I've gone through. This is my heart. I need healing to forgive. It's not easy, but say, God, give me supernatural strength. Help me to forgive. Help me to communicate. Help me to resolve conflict. Let me not be one of these people that tries to avoid conflict, to not get into any type of dispute, to not, to, but, but the thing is that you will never have a healthy, thriving family unless you really deal and address the matter. Help me to communicate. Help me to resolve conflict. Help me to forgive. Heal my heart and help me to forgive others. When you do that, you will begin to have a healthy and thriving community, healthy marriage, healthy children, a healthy church. How many wanna take up that challenge this week? Come on, let me know, let me know this week. Take up that challenge for real. This week, you know what? I don't communicate the best, but this week, I'm gonna practice this. I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna listen, I'm gonna talk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to resolve. Some of y'all came here with unresolved conflict and tension. Go back home. Deal with it. But pray about it first. Say, God, give me wisdom. Give me words. Help me to speak with wisdom. Help me to resolve this conflict. Some of y'all came with unforgiveness. Say, God, here is my heart. Help me to forgive. Thanks so much again for tuning in. I hope that you join us the next time. If you are in the DMV area, please make sure to come out on a Sunday at 1.30 p.m. You can find more information at myhopecenter.org. And you can also stay connected to us on social media. We are at My Hope Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can search us up, connect with us, and uh, I hope to hear from you all and see you all very soon. So until then, peace, love, and God bless.